Book Six, Chapter Five, of the Wings of the Dove. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. The Wings of the Dove by Henry James. Book Sixth, Chapter Five. To see her alone, the poor girl, he nonetheless promptly felt, was to see her after all very much on the old basis, the basis of his three visits in New York. The new element, when once he was again face to face with her, not really amounting to much more than a recognition, with a little surprise, of the positive extent of the old basis. Everything but that, everything embarrassing fell away after he had been present five minutes. It was in fact wonderful that their excellent, their pleasant, their permitted and proper and harmless American relation, the legitimacy of which he could thus scarce express in names enough, should seem so unperturbed by other matters. They had both since then had great adventures. Such an adventure for him was his mental annexation of her country, and it was now, for the moment, as if the greatest of them all were this acquired consciousness of reasons other than those that had already served. Densher had asked for her at her hotel the day after Aunt Maud's dinner, with a rich, that is, with a highly troubled preconception of the part likely to be played for him at present in any contact with her by kate's and mrs loder's so oddly conjoined and so really superfluous attempts to make her interesting she had been interesting enough without them that appeared to-day to come back to him and admirable and beautiful as was the charitable seal of the two ladies it might easily have nipped in the bud the germs of a friendship inevitably limited but still perfectly open to him what had happily averted the need of his breaking off, what would as happily continue to avert it, was his own good sense and good humour, a certain spring of mind in him which ministered, imagination aiding, to understandings and allowances, and which he had positively never felt such ground as just now to rejoice in the possession of. Many men, he practically made the reflection, wouldn't have taken the matter that way, would have lost patience, finding the appeal in question irrational, exorbitant, and thereby making short work with it, would have let it render any further acquaintance with Mithil impossible. He had talked with Kate of this young woman's being sacrificed, and that would have been one way, so far as he was concerned, to sacrifice her. Such, however, had not been the tune to which his at first bewildered view had, since the night before, cleared itself up. It wasn't so much that he failed of being the kind of man who chucked, for he knew himself as the kind of man wise enough to mark the case, in which chucking might be the minor evil and the least cruelty. It was that he liked too much everyone concerned, willingly to show himself merely impracticable. He liked Kate, goodness knew, and he also clearly enough liked Mrs. Loder. He liked in particular Milly herself, and hadn't it come up for him the evening before that he quite liked even Susan Shepherd? 
He had never known himself so generally merciful. It was a footing, at all events, whatever accounted for it, on which he should surely be rather a muff not to manage by one turn or another to escape disobliging. Should he find it, he couldn't work it. There would still be time enough. The idea of working it crystallized before him in such guise as not only to promise much interest, fairly in case of success much enthusiasm, but positively to impart to failure an appearance of barbarity. Arriving thus in Brook Street, both with the best intentions and with the margin consciously left for some primary awkwardness, he found his burden, to his great relief, unexpectedly light. The awkwardness involved in the responsibility so newly and so ingeniously traced for him turned round on the spot to present him another face. This was simply the face of his old impression, which he now fully recovered, the impression that American girls, when rare case they had the attraction of Milly, were clearly the easiest people in the world. Had what had happened been that this specimen of the class was from the first so committed to ease that nothing subsequent could ever make her difficult? That affected him now as still more probable than on the occasion of the hour or two lately passed with her in Kate's society. Milly Thiel had recognized no complication to Densher's view, while bringing him with his companion from the National Gallery and entertaining them at luncheon. It was therefore scarce supposable that complications had become so soon too much for her. His pretext for presenting himself was fortunately of the best and simplest. The least he could decently do, given their happy acquaintance, was to call with an inquiry after learning that she had been prevented by illness from meeting him at dinner. And then there was the beautiful accident of her other demonstration. He must at any rate have given a sign as a sequel to the hospitality he had shared with Kate. Well, he was giving one now, such as it was. He was finding her, to begin with, accessible, and very naturally and prettily glad to see him. He had come after luncheon, early, though not so early, but that she might already be out if she were well enough, and she was well enough, and yet was still at home. He had an inner glimpse with this, of the comment Kate would have made on it. It wasn't absent from his thought that Milly would have been at home by her account, because expecting, after talk with Mrs. Stringham, that a certain person might turn up. He even, so pleasantly did things go, enjoyed freedom of minds to welcome, on that supposition, a fresh sign of the beautiful hypocrisy of women. He went so far as to enjoy believing the girl might have stayed in for him. It helped him to enjoy her behaving as if she hadn't. She expressed, that is, exactly the right degree of surprise. She didn't a bit overdo it. The lesson of which was perceptibly that, so far as his late lights had opened the door to any want of the natural in their meetings, he might trust her to take care of it for him as well as for herself. She had begun this admirably on his entrance, with her turning away from the table at which she had apparently been engaged in letter-writing. It was the very possibility of his betraying a concern for her as one of the afflicted 
that she had within the first minute conjured away. She was never, never, did he understand, to be one of the afflicted for him, and the manner in which she understood it, something of the answering pleasure that he couldn't help knowing he showed, constituted, he was very soon after to acknowledge, something like a start for intimacy. When things like that could pass, people had in truth to be equally conscious of a relation. It soon made one, at all events, when it didn't find one made. She had let him ask there had been time for that, his allusion to her friend's explanatory arrival at Lancaster Gate, without her being inevitable. But she had blown away, and quite as much with a look in her eyes as with a smile on her lips, every ground for anxiety and every chance for insistence. How was she? Why, she was as he thus saw her, and as she had reasons of her own, nobody else's business, for desiring to appear. Kate's account of her as too proud for pity, as fiercely shy about so personal a secret, came back to him, so that he rejoiced he could take a hint, especially when he wanted to. The question the girl had quickly disposed of, oh, it was nothing, I'm all right, thank you, was one he was glad enough to be able to banish. It wasn't at all, in spite of the appeal Kate had made to him on it, his affair, for his interest had been invoked in the name of compassion, and the name of compassion was exactly what he felt himself at the end of two minutes forbidden so much as to whisper. He had been sent to see her in order to be sorry for her, and how sorry he might be, quite privately, he was yet to make out. Didn't that signify, however, almost not at all, inasmuch as, whatever his upshot, he was never to give her a glimpse of it. Thus the ground was unexpectedly cleared, though it was not till a slightly longer time had passed that he read clear, at first with amusement, and then with a strange shade of respect what had most operated. Extraordinarily, quite amazingly, he began to see that if his pity hadn't had to yield to still other things, it would have had to yield quite definitely to her own. That was the way the case had turned round. He had made his visit to be sorry for her, but he would repeat it, if he did repeat it, in order that she might be sorry for him. His situation made him, she judged, when once one liked him, a subject for that degree of tenderness. He felt this judgment in her, and felt it as something he should really, in decency, in dignity, in common honesty, have very soon to reckon with. Odd enough was it certainly that the question originally before him, the question placed there by Kate, should so of a sudden find itself quite dislodged by another. This other, it was easy to see, came straight up with the fact of her beautiful delusion and of wasted charity, the whole thing preparing for him as a pretty case of conscience as he could have desired, and one at the prospect of which he was already wincing. If he was interesting, it was because he was unhappy, and if he was unhappy, it was because his passion for Kate had spent itself in vain, and if Kate was indifferent, inexorable, it was because she had left Milly, if no doubt of it. That above all was what came up for him, how clear an impression of his attitude, how definite an account of his own failure Kate must have given her friend. 
His immediate quarter of an hour there with the girl lighted up for him almost luridly such an inference. It was almost as if the other party, to their remarkable understanding, had been with them as they talked, had been hovering about, had dropped in to look after her work. The value of the work affected him as different from the moment he saw it so expressed in poor Milly. Since it was false that he wasn't loved, so his right was quite quenched to figure on that ground as important, and if he didn't look out he should find himself appreciating in a way quite at odds with straightness the good faith of Milly's benevolence. There was the place for scruples there the need absolutely to mind what he was about if it wasn't proper for him to enjoy consideration on a perfectly false footing where was the guarantee that if he kept on he mightn't soon himself pretend to the grievance in order not to miss the sweet consideration from a charming girl was soothing on whatever theory and it didn't take him far to remember that he had himself as yet done nothing deceptive it was Kate's description of him, his defeated state. It was none of his own. His responsibility would begin, as he might say, only with acting it out. The sharp point was, however, in the difference between acting and not acting. This difference, in fact, it was that made the case of conscience. He saw it with a certain alarm rise before him, that everything was acting that was not speaking the particular word. If you like me because you think she doesn't, it isn't a bit true. She does like me awfully. That would have been the particular word, which there were at the same time, but too palpably, such difficulties about his uttering. Wouldn't it be virtually as indelicate to challenge her as to leave her deluded? And this quite apart from the exposure, so to speak, of Kate, as to whom it would constitute a kind of betrayal. Kate's design was something so extraordinarily special to Kate that he felt himself shrink from the complications involved in judging it, not to give away the woman one loved, but to back her up in her mistakes, once they had gone a certain length. That was perhaps chief among the inevitabilities of the abjection of love. Loyalty was, of course, supremely prescribed in presence of any design on her part, however roundabout to do one nothing but good. Densher had quite to steady himself not to be awestruck at the immensity of the good his own friend must on all this evidence have wanted to do him. Of one thing indeed, meanwhile, he was sure. Milly Thiel wouldn't herself precipitate his necessity of intervention. She would absolutely never say to him, Is it so impossible she shall ever care for you seriously? without which nothing could well be less delicate than for him aggressively to set her right. Kate would be free to do that if Kate, in some prudence, some contrition, for some better reason in fine, should revise her plan. But he asked himself what, failing this, he could do that wouldn't be after all more gross than doing nothing. This brought him round again to the acceptance of the fact that the poor girl liked him. She put it for reasons of her own, on a simple, a beautiful ground, a ground that already supplied her with the pretext she required. The ground was there, that is, 
in the impression she had received retained cherished the pretext over and above it was the pretext for acting on it that she now believed as she did made her sure at last that she might act so that what densher therefore would have struck at would be the root in her soul of a pure pleasure it positively lifted its head and flowered this pure pleasure while the young man now sat with her and there were things she seemed to say that took the words out of his mouth these were not all the things she did say they were rather what such things meant in the light of what he knew her warning him for instance of the question of how she was the quick brave little art with which she did that represented to his fancy a truth she didn't utter i'm well for you that's all you have to do with or need trouble about i shall never be anything so horrid as ill for you so there you are worry about me spare me please as little as you can don't be afraid in short to ignore my interesting side it isn't you see even now while you sit here that there aren't lots of others only do them justice and we shall get on beautifully this was what was folded finely up in her talk all quite ostensibly about her impressions and her intentions she tried to put densher again on his american doings but he wouldn't have that to-day as he thought of the way in which the other afternoon before kate he had sat complacently dawning he accused himself of excess of having overdone it having made at least apparently more of a set at their entertainer than he was at all events then intending he turned the tables drawing her out about london about her vision of life there and only too glad to treat her as a person with whom he could easily have other topics than her aches and pains he spoke to her above all of the evidence offered him at lancaster gate that she had come but to conquer and when she had met this with full and gay assent how could i help being the feature of the season the what do you call it the theme of every tongue they fraternized freely over all that had come and gone for each since their interrupted encounter in new york at the same time while many things in quick succession came up for them came up in particular for densher nothing perhaps was just so sharp as the odd influence of their present conditions on their view of their past ones it was as if they hadn't known how thick they had originally become as if in a manner they had really fallen to remembrance of more passages of intimacy than there had in fact at the time quite been room for they were in a relation now so complicated whether by what they said or by what they didn't say that it might have been seeking to justify its speedy growth by reaching back to one of those fabulous periods in which prosperous states place their beginnings he recalled what had been said at mrs loder's about the steps and stages in people's careers that absence caused one to miss and about the resulting frequent sense of meeting them further on which with some other matters also recalled he took occasion to communicate to milly the matters he couldn't mention mingled themselves with those he did 
so that it would doubtless have been hard to say which of the two groups now played most of a part. He was kept face to face with this young lady by a force absolutely resident in their situation, and operating for his nerves with the swiftness of the forces commonly regarded by sensitive persons as beyond their control. The current thus determined had positively become for him, by the time he had been ten minutes in the room, something that, but for the absurdity of comparing the very small with the very great, he would freely have likened to the rapids of Niagara. An uncriticized acquaintance between a clever young man and a responsive young woman could do nothing more, at the most, than go, and his actual experiment went and went and went, nothing probably so conduced to make it go as the marked circumstance that they had spoken all the while not a word about Kate, and this in spite of the fact that, if it were a question for them of what had occurred in the past weeks, nothing had occurred comparable to Kate's predominance. Densher had but the night before appealed to her for instruction as to what he must do about her, but he fairly winced to find how little this came to. She had foretold him, of course, how little, but it was a truth that looked different when shown him by Milly. It proved to him that the latter had in fact been dealt with, but it produced in him the thought that Kate might perhaps again conveniently be questioned. He would have liked to speak to her before going further, to make sure she really meant him to succeed quite so much. With all the difference that, as we say, came up for him, it came up afresh, naturally, that he might make his visit brief and never renew it, yet the strangest thing of all was that the argument against that issue would have sprung precisely from the beautiful little eloquence involved in milly's avoidances precipitate these well might be since they emphasized the fact that she was proceeding in the sense of the assurances she had taken over the latter she had visibly not hesitated for hadn't they had the merit of giving her a chance Densher quite saw her, felt her take it, the chance, neither more nor less, of help rendered him according to her freedom. It was what Kate had left her with. Listen to him? I? Never. So do as you like. What Milly liked was to do. It thus appeared, as she was doing. Our young man's glimpse, of which was just what would have been for him, not less a glimpse of the peculiar brutality of shaking her off. The choice exhaled its shy fragrant of heroism, for it was not aided by any questions of parting with Kate. She would be charming to Kate as well as to Kate's adorer. She would incur whatever pain could dwell for her in the sight, should she continue to be exposed to the sight of the adorer thrown with the adored. It wouldn't really have taken much more to make him wonder if he hadn't before him one of those rare cases of exaltation, food for fiction, food for poetry, in which a man's fortune with the woman who doesn't care for him is positively promoted by the woman who does. It was as if Milly had said to herself, Well, he can at least meet her in my society, if that's anything to him so that my line can only be to make my society attractive. 
She certainly couldn't have made a different impression if she had so reasoned. All of which, nonetheless, didn't prevent his soon enough saying to her, quite as if she were to be whirled into space, And now then, what becomes of you? Do you begin to rush about to visits to country houses? She disowned the idea with a headshake that, put on what face she would, couldn't help betraying to him something of her suppressed view of the possibility, ever, ever perhaps, of any such proceedings. They weren't at any rate for her now. Dear no, we go abroad for a few weeks somewhere of high air. That has been before us for many days. We've only been kept on by last necessities here. However, everything's done, and the wind's in our sails. May you scud then happily before it. But when, he asked, do you come back? She looked ever so vague, then as if to correct it. Oh, when the wind turns. And what do you do with your summer? Ah, I spend it in sordid toil. I drench it with mercenary ink. My work in your country counts for play as well. You see what's thought of the pleasure your country can give. My holiday's over. I'm sorry you had to take it, said Milly, at such a different time from ours. If you could but have worked while we've been working. I might be playing while you play. Oh, the distinction isn't great with me. There's a little of each for me, of work and of play, in either. But you and Mrs. Stringham and Miss Croy and Mrs. Loder, you all, he went on, have been given up like navvies or niggers to real physical toil. Your rest is something you've earned and you need. My labour's comparatively light. Very true, she smiled. But all the same, I like mine. It doesn't leave you done? Not a bit. I don't get tired when I'm interested. Oh, I could go far. He bethought himself. Then why don't you? Since you've got here, as I learned, the whole place in your pocket. Well, it's a kind of economy. I'm saving things up. I've enjoyed so what you speak of, though your account of it's fantastic, that I'm watching over his future, that I can't help being anxious and careful. I want, in the interest itself of what I've had and may still have, not to make stupid mistakes. The way not to make them is to get off again to a distance and see the situation from there. I shall keep it fresh, she wound up, as if herself rather pleased with the ingenuity of her statement. I shall keep it fresh by that prudence for my return. And then you will return? Can you promise one that? Her face fairly lighted at his asking for a promise, but she made as if bargaining a little. Isn't London rather awful in winter? He had been going to ask her if she meant for the invalid, but he checked the infelicity of this and took the inquire as referring to social life. No, I like it. With one thing and another, it's less of a mob than later on, and it would have for U.S. the merit should you come here then, that we should probably see more of you, so do reappear for us, if it isn't a question of climate. She looked at that a little graver. If what isn't a question? Why, the determination of your movements. You spoke just now of going somewhere for that. For better air, she remembered. Oh, yes, 
One certainly wants to get out of London in August. Rather, of course, he fully understood. Though I'm glad you've hung on long enough for me to catch you. Try us at any rate, he continued, once more. Whom do you mean by us? she presently asked. It pulled him up an instant, representing as he saw it might have seemed an illusion to himself as conjoined with Kate, whom he was proposing not to mention any more than his hostess did. But the issue was easy. I mean all of us together, everyone you'll find ready to surround you with sympathy. It made her none the less, in her odd charming way, challenge him afresh. Why do you say sympathy? Well, it's doubtless a pale word. What we shall feel for you will be much nearer worship. As near, then, as you like, with which at last Kate's name was sounded. The people I'd most come back for are the people you know. I do it for Mrs. Loder, who has been beautifully kind to me. So she has to me, said Densher. I feel, he added, as she at first answered nothing, that quite contrary to anything I originally expected, I made a good friend of her. I didn't expect it either. It's turning out as it has. But I did, said Milly, with Kate. I shall come back for her too. I'd do anything, she kept it up, for Kate. Looking at him as with conscious clearness while she spoke, she might for the moment have effectively laid a trap for whatever remains of the ideal straightness in him were still able to pull themselves together and operate. He was afterwards to say to himself that something had at that moment hung for him by a hair. Oh, I know what one would do for Kate. It had hung for him by a hair to break out with that, which he felt he had really been kept from by an element in his consciousness stronger still. The proof of the truth in question was precisely in his silence. Resisting the impulse to break out was what he was doing for Kate. This at the time, moreover, came and went quickly enough. He was trying the next minute, but to make Milly's illusion easy for herself. Of course I know what friends you are, and of course I understand, he permitted himself to add, any amount of devotion to a person so charming. That's the good turn, then, she'll do us all. I mean her working for your return. Oh, you don't know, said Milly, how much I'm really on her hands. He could but accept the appearance of wondering how much he might show he knew. Ah, she's very masterful. She's great, yet I don't say she bullies me. No, that's not the way. At any rate, it isn't hers, he smiled. He remembered, however, then that an undue acquaintance with Kate's ways was just what he mustn't show, and he pursued the subject no further than to remark with a good intention that he had the further merit of representing a truth. I don't feel as if I knew her really to call no. Well, if you come to that, I don't either, she laughed. The words gave him, as soon as they were uttered, a sense of responsibility for his own, though during a silence that ensued for a minute he had time to recognize that his own contained, after all, no element of falsity. Strange enough, therefore, was it that he could go too far, if it was too far, without being false. 
His observation was one he could perfectly have made to Kate herself, and before he again spoke, and before Milly did, he took time for more still, for feeling how just here it was that he must break short of if his mind was really made up not to go further. It was as if he had been at a corner, and fairly put there by his last speech, so that it depended on him whether or not to turn it. The silence, if prolonged but an instant, might even have given him a sense of her waiting to see what he would do. It was filled for them the next thing by the sound rather voluminous for the August afternoon, of the approach in the street below them of heavy carriage wheels and of horses strained to step. A rumble, a great shake, a considerable effective clatter had been apparently succeeded by a pause at the door of the hotel which was in turn accompanied by a due display of diminished prancing and stamping. "'You've a visitor,' Densher laughed, "'and it must be at least an ambassador.' "'It's only my own carriage. It does that. Isn't it wonderful? Every day. But we find it, Mrs. Stringham and I, in the innocence of our hearts, very amusing.' She had got up as she spoke to assure herself of what she said and at the end of a few steps they were together on the balcony and looking down at her waiting chariot, which made indeed a brave show. Is it very awful? It was to Densher's eyes, save for its absurd heaviness, only pleasantly pompous. It seems to me delightfully rococo, but how do I know? You're mistress of these things, in contact with the highest wisdom. You occupy a position, moreover, thanks to which your carriage, well, by this time, in the eye of London, also occupies one. But she was going out, and he mustn't stand in her way. What had happened the next minute was first that she had denied she was going out, so that he might prolong his stay, and second that she had said she would go out with pleasure if he would like to drive, that, in fact, there were always things to do, that there had been a question for her to do of several in particular, and that this, in short, was why the carriage had been ordered so early. They perceived, as she said these things, that an inquirer had presented himself, and, coming back, they found Milly's servant announcing the carriage and prepared to accompany her. This appeared to have for her the effect of settling the matter, on the basis, that is, of Denger's happy response. Denture's happy response, however, had as yet hung fire. The process we have described in him operating by this time with extreme intensity. The system of not pulling up, not breaking off, had already brought him headlong, he seemed to feel, to where they actually stood, and just now it was with the vengeance that he must do either one thing or the other. He had been waiting for some moments, which probably seemed to him longer than they were. This was because he was anxiously watching himself wait. He couldn't keep that up for ever, and since one thing or the other was what he must do, it was for the other that he presently became conscious of having decided. If he had been drifting, it settled itself in the manner of a bump, and considerable violence against a firm object in the stream. Oh, yes, I'll go with you with pleasure. It's a charming idea. She gave no look to thank him. She rather looked away. 
she only said at once to her servant, In ten minutes, and then to her visitor, as the man went out, We'll go somewhere, I shall like that, but I must ask of you time, as little as possible, to get ready. She looked over the room to provide for him, keep him there. There are books and things, plenty, and I dress very quickly. He caught her eyes only as she went, on which he thought them pretty and touching. Why especially touching at that instant he could certainly scarce have said. It was involved, it was lost in the sense of her wishing to oblige him. Clearly what had occurred was her having wished it so, that she had made him simply wish, in civil acknowledgment, to oblige her which he had now fully done by turning his corner. He was quite round it, his corner, by the time the door had closed upon her, and he stood there alone. Alone he remained for three minutes more, remained with several very living little matters to think about. One of these was the phenomenon, typical, highly American, he would have said, of Millie's extreme spontaneity. It was perhaps rather as if he had sought refuge, refuge from another question, in the almost exclusive contemplation of this. Yet this, in its way, led him nowhere, not even to a sound generalization about American girls. It was spontaneous for his young friend to have asked him to drive with her alone, since she hadn't mentioned her companion but she struck him, after all, as no more advanced in doing it than Kate, for instance, who wasn't an American girl, might have struck him in not doing it. Besides, Kate would have done it, though Kate wasn't at all in the same sense as Milly spontaneous. And then, in addition, Kate had done it, or things very like it. Furthermore, he was engaged to Kate, even if his ostensibly not being put her public freedom on other grounds. On all grounds, at any rate, the relation between Kate and freedom, between freedom and Kate, was a different one from any he could associate or cultivate as to anything with a girl who had just left him to prepare to give herself up to him. It had never struck him before, and he moved about the room while he thought of it touching none of the books placed at his disposal. Milly was forward, as might be said, but not advanced, whereas Kate was backward, backward still, comparatively, as an English girl, and yet advanced in a high degree. However, though this didn't straighten it out, Kate was, of course, two or three years older, which at their time of life considerably counted. Thus ingenuously discriminating, Densher continued slowly to wander, yet without keeping at bay for long, the sense of having rounded his corner. He had so rounded it that he felt himself lose even the option of taking advantage of Milly's absence to retrace his steps. If he might have turned tail, vulgarly speaking, five minutes before, he couldn't turn tail now. He must simply wait there with his consciousness charged to the brim, quickly enough, moreover, that issue was closed from without. In the course of three minutes more, Miss Thiel's servant had returned. He preceded a visitor whom he had met, obviously, at the foot of the stairs, and whom, throwing open the door, he loudly announced as Miss Croy. 
Kate, on following him in, stopped short at sight of Densher, only after an instant as the young man saw with free amusement, not from surprise and still less from discomfiture. Densher immediately gave his explanation. Miss Thiel had gone to prepare to drive, on receipt of which the servant effaced himself. "'And you're going with her?' Kate asked. "'Yes, with your approval.' which I've taken, as you see, for granted. Oh, she laughed, my approval's complete. She was thoroughly consistent and handsome about it. What I mean is, of course, he went on, for he was sensibly affected by her gaiety, at your so lively instigation. She had looked about the room. She might have been vaguely looking for signs of the duration, of the character of his visit, a momentary aid in taking a decision. Well, instigation then as much as you like. She treated it as pleasant, the success of her plea with him. She made a fresh joke of this direct impression of it. So much so as that? Do you know I think I won't wait? Not to see her after coming? Well, with you in the field. I came for news of her, but she must be all right if she is. But he took her straight up. Ah, how do I know? He was moved to say more. It's not I who am responsible for her, my dear. It seems to me it's you. She struck him as making light of a matter that had been costing him sundry qualms, so that they couldn't both be quite just. Either she was too easy, or he had been too anxious. He didn't want at all events to feel a fool for that. I'm doing nothing, and shall not. I assure you, do anything but what I'm told. Their eyes met with some intensity over the emphasis he had given his words, and he had taken it from her the next moment that he really needn't get into a state. What in the world was the matter? she asked it, with interest for all answer. Isn't she better, if she's able to see you? She assures me she's in perfect health. Kate's interest grew. I knew she would, on which she added, it won't have been really for illness that she stayed away last night. For what, then? Well, for nervousness. Nervousness about what? Oh, you know, she spoke with a hint of impatience, smiling, however, the next moment. I've told you that. He looked at her to recover in her face what she had told him. Then it was as if what he saw there prompted him to say, What have you told her? She gave him her controlled smile, and it was all as if they remembered where they were, liable to surprise, talking with softened voices, even stretching their opportunity by such talk, beyond a quite right feeling. Milly's room would be close at hand, and yet they were saying things. For a moment, nonetheless, they kept it up. Ask her, if you like. You're free. She'll tell you. Act as you think best. Don't trouble about what you think I may or mayn't have told. I'm all right with her, said Kate. So there you are. If you mean here I am, he answered, it's unmistakable. If you also mean that her believing in you is all I have to do with, you're so far right as that she certainly does believe in you. Well... Then take example by her. 
She's really doing it for you, Densher continued. She's driving me out for you. In that case, said Kate with her soft tranquillity, you can do it a little for her. I'm not afraid, she smiled. He stood before her a moment, taking in again the face she put on it and affected again, as he had already so often been by more things in this face and in her whole person and presence than he was, to his relief, obliged to find words for. It wasn't under such impressions a question of words. I do nothing for anyone in the world but you, but for you I'll do anything. Good, good, said Kate. That's how I like you. He waited again an instant. Then you swear to it? To it? To what? Why, that you do like me, since it's all for that, you know, that I'm letting you do, well, God knows what with me. She gave it this with a stare, a disheartened gesture, the sense of which she immediately further expressed. If you don't believe in me, then, after all, hadn't you better break off before you've gone further? Break off with you? Break off with Milly. You might go now, she said, and I'll stay and explain to her why it is. He wondered, as if it struck him, what would you say? Why, that you find you can't stand her, and that there's nothing for me but to bear with you as I best may. He considered of this. How much do you abuse me to her? Exactly enough, as much as you see by her attitude. Again he thought. It doesn't seem to me I ought to mind her attitude. Well, then, just as you like, I'll stay and do my best for you. He saw she was sincere, was really giving him a chance, and that of itself made things clearer. The feeling of how far he had gone came back to him, not in repentance, but in this very vision of an escape. And it was not of what he had done, but of what Kate offered, that he now weighed the consequence. Won't it make her, her not finding me here, be rather more sure there's something between us? Kate thought, Oh, uh, I don't know. It will, of course, greatly upset her, but you needn't trouble about that. She won't die of it. Do you mean she will? Densher presently asked. Don't put me questions when you don't believe what I say. You make too many conditions. She spoke now with a shade of rational weariness that made the want of pliancy, the failure to oblige her, look poor and ugly, so that what it suddenly came back to for him was his deficiency in the things a man of any taste, so engaged, so enlisted, would have liked to make sure of being able to show, imagination, tact, positively even humour. The circumstance is doubtless odd, but the truth is none the less that the speculation uppermost with him at his juncture was, what if I should begin to bore this creature, and that within a few seconds had translated itself, if you'll swear again you love me. She looked about at door and window, as if he were asking for more than he said, here? There's nothing between us here, Kate smiled. Oh, isn't there? 
Her smile itself with this had so settled something for him that he had come to her pleadingly and holding out his hands, which she immediately seized with her own as if both to check him and to keep him. It was by keeping him thus for a minute that she did check him. She held him long enough while, with their eyes deeply meeting, they waited in silence for him to recover himself and renew his discretion. He coloured as with the return of the sense of where they were, and that gave her precisely one of her usual victories, which immediately took further form. By the time he had dropped her hands, he had again taken hold, as it were, of Milly's. It was not at any rate with Milly he had broken. "'I'll do all you wish,' he declared, as if to acknowledge the acceptance of his condition, that he had practically, after all, drawn from her, a declaration on which she, then, recurring to her first idea, promptly acted. "'If you are as good as that, I go. You'll tell her that, finding you with her, I wouldn't wait. Say that, you know, from yourself. She'll understand.' She had reached the door with it. She was full of decision, but he had before she left him one more doubt. I don't see how she can understand enough, you know, without understanding too much. You don't need to see. He required then a last injunction. I must simply go it blind? You must simply be kind to her. And leave the rest to you? Leave the rest to her said kate disappearing it came back then afresh to that as it had come before milly three minutes after kate had gone returned in her array her big black hat so little superstitiously in the fashion her fine black garments throughout the swathing of her throat which denser vaguely took for an infinite number of yards of priceless lace and which its folded fabric kept in place by heavy rows of pearls hung down to her feet like the stole of a priestess he spoke to her at once of their friend's visit and flight she hadn't known she'd find me he said and said at present without difficulty he had so rounded his corner that it wasn't a question of a word more or less she took this account of the matter as quite sufficient she glossed over whatever might be awkward. I'm sorry, but I of course often see her. He felt the discrimination in his favour, and how it justified Kate. This was Milly's tone when the matter was left to her. Well, it should now be fully left. End of Book Sixth, Chapter Five. Read by Lars Rolander.